and it was coming nearer. The man from the sea took a great breath and stumbled forward once more. It was when only his ankles remained in water that Cranston hit on the truth about him. He was a fugitive. He was a fugitive. That was why the engines had ceased. The man had swum from a steamer out at sea, and it had stopped and sent a launch in pursuit of him. The discovery drew from Cranston a confusion of responses. Here was something vexatious, frustrating, perhaps dangerous. His meeting with Carol, their assignation in the dark word that still excited him, was suddenly a mess. This encounter had ruined it, and presently they must manage to scramble out of its mere embarrassment and indecency, as he himself must scramble into his shorts. For a moment he was aware only of what he was going to miss, and he felt his body tremble in what he took to be indignation or rage. But it wasn't that, or not wholly. Even as he stared at the other naked man, he recognized within his own physical response a thrill of pleasure. What had risen from the sea was some harsh male predicament to which he responded as to a release. The throb of the motorboat was louder, as if the craft had rounded some point near at hand, and the man from the sea turned upon Cranston with an urgent and commanding gesture. The little sandy bay, pale as a bleached bone tossed against the dark cliff, was flanked at either end by a tumble of dark broken rock, and into gaining the shelter of the nearer of these refuges the man was now throwing his last energies. But he'd also managed this imperious wave. Cranston was to go into hiding too. The motorboat, if it appeared, must find only an empty beach. This much was clear and so was the proper immediate response to make. As Cranston ran for the rocks, he felt again the flush of unreasonable pleasure. A problem had bobbed up from the blue, literally from that, and this time he knew the answer. Of course the man must be given a chance to explain himself. Even if some lurking risk were involved, he must be given a chance. To wait for the motorboat, to halloo at it, would be treachery. It was surprising to Cranston that he should have this clear bit of knowledge, and surprising too that in the hurry and huddle of this strange flight it should rise up in his mind as a fact that was lucid and important. Moreover, it had so risen up without any visible basis in reason. The fellow now by chance at his side had no conceivable claim on him, and it was long odds too that he was simply some sort of commonplace wrongdoer. Treachery, meant the breaking of a bond, and here no bond could possibly exist. Then why? They had made it. Their feet lost the firm sand and slipped on slime, trod painfully on barnacled rock. It was necessary to climb, but even some way up there was no more than bare cover for the two of them, and as they crouched down together in a shallow cup of darkness, they had to press so close that each for a moment could cheer the other's heart. Then the sound of the motorboat drowned this and their rapid breathing. Cautiously, Cranston moved his head a couple of inches to peer round a boulder. At the same moment, the engine stopped. The boat had entered the bay on a long curve and was coming directly towards them now. As many as three or four men were crouched aft, and another man stood poised in the bows, sweeping the shore through night glasses. For perhaps half a minute he scanned the farther rocks. Cranston remembered Carol. 
She must have heard the engine, and presumably she was lying low there at the other end of the beach. He wondered what would happen if she lost her head and made a dash for his protection. He wondered what this boatload of mysterious searchers would make of that surprising appearance. The man with the glasses swung them round and appeared to focus straight on Cranston. Instinctively, the young man drew back his head and shoulders, and the movement caused him to jostle his companion. Caught off balance, the man from the sea swayed and was about to tumble over the lip of the narrow depression in which they cowered. Cranston grabbed at him and caught first a naked shoulder and then an arm. For a moment, the two men clung together, steadying themselves, and for the first time their eyes met directly. Here in the rocks, they were in near darkness, and what Cranston was aware of was no more than a fleeting intent gaze and a featureless face, a mere glint of light, no more.